Hey guys, uh, welcome back to another ABA uh, 101. Uh, we've been pretty blessed again today to get a uh, former uh, ABA player in the house uh, from the original ABA, a three-time ABA All-Star. Uh, looking forward to this one. I hope you're going to enjoy it too. Uh, uh, we have uh, Daryl Car uh, Carrier in the house. And uh, Daryl, uh, let's talk basketball. Welcome to ABA 101. Well, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to talking basketball. Yeah. <laughs> okay, hey, Rick, uh, we'll let you throw yeah. the first punch, man. Go ahead. Well, I've, I've, I don't have a whole lot. I just got a couple little quick uh, things. Uh, Daryl, uh, going back to his college days, Daryl played at Western Kentucky, and I want to hear a little bit about that when we get started and, and his days of growing up in basketball, crazy state of Kentucky where basketball is – is king, isn't it right, Daryl? <clears throat> it is king. That's right. Um, I started off. Uh, I started off playing when I was a young child, and uh, I saved enough money back then. I didn't have much money here in Kentucky, so I saved enough money to buy me a nine dollar or three dollar ninety eight cents uh, basketball and go little lace up ball, and I shot with it three or four days, and uh, <clears throat> it went over the fence. And a big hog took a bite of my ball. That's all of my ball. And uh, I, sh I shot 10 cans through that. And I made I made a ball with the, some rags, make them, and, and just shot anything I could through that little goal. And it led up to uh, all year or two after that, I saved enough money to buy me a $9.41 basketball in gold from Firestone Store here in Bowling Green. And it was a good goal. I put it on a, a ten foot. I put it on a ten foot banking board, and uh, and then I uh, I got serious about that basketball. It did me a lot of good. Yeah. Well, um, I know Kentucky was rolling during those days. Uh, did Ray Adolph Rupp make any? Did Did Adolph Rupp recruit you at all? Well, <clears throat> or was he the he, coach? He was the coach, and he wanted three players that year. He wanted Jeff Mullins, and Jeff Mullins was right there in Lexington playing high school ball. And I'm about 150, 60 miles from Lexington, and he made a real – tried to get me bad and offered my twin brother a scholarship to get me. And uh, then the, the name of Tommy Clark, and he's the only one they got. And uh, – he went to uh, Tommy Clark went to Kentucky and and uh, Jeff Mullins went to Duke and I went to Western Kentucky and I'd like to give you a little story on Western Kentucky. If I'd have gone to Kentucky, I would have quit within two weeks because we grew up like Amish people and we were an awfully close family. Every Friday and Saturday night, my twin brother and I would come home and spend the night with my mom and dad. And when we leave on Sunday night, my mom would cry. Her baby's just going to school. And we would we were close. And then during the week, we'd come out and visit them. We was only 15 minutes away from campus. And uh, it's a good thing we stayed close. Uh, <clears throat> you know, my son played at University of Kentucky. And, uh, and he, wasn't, he wasn't a homebody like me. He... he he had a little more maturity, and and uh, he grew up different than I did. So he, he played at Kentucky, but I, I didn't have a 
was too big a baby to leave home. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk a little ABA now. Um, you were draft. So you were drafted by the St. Louis Hawks in the NBA. Uh, who who drafted you in the ABA? Was that Kentucky Colonels? <clears throat> Nobody drafted me. As soon as I got out of Western Kentucky, we had an All-American that went to Bobby Rasko that played with me on three different teams. And he was an All-American at Western, and he played for Phillips 66ers, and he played for the Kentucky Colonels. He was a great player. And uh, so he went out with Phillips 66ers, and uh, he asked me to come out. I went out. They had 10 players out there trying out, and coach called me off the floor of the first player and said, Hey, we want you out here. And I said, well, that's why I'm out here in St. Louis Hawks. Back then you only had eight uh, NBA teams. And uh, so I was drafted. I don't know. Eighth. I I believe, I believe it's eighth or ninth. And uh, St. Louis asked me to come over and try out. And I, I said, I'll come over for a no cut contract. And they said, we don't give no cut contracts. And I said, I knew that. I said, that's the reason I told you I won't be over. I knew you gave your first round, first round pick of, of no cut. And, and and so that's only one player. So I won't be over there. I'm going with the Phillips 66ers. So with the Phillips 66ers, I was fortunate enough to play, go to 23 foreign countries, play in the world tournament, play in the Pan win a gold medal in the Pan American Games. Played with the great JoJo White and I were starting guards on the Pan American team with Wes also playing center. Wow! And uh, we won the go- we won the gold medal and uh, but uh, I didn't have to. They didn't draft me because I was already out of school and uh, I had a man to call me and said the Kentucky Colonels would like to talk with you. But on these tours, I made two national tours with number one draft picks. And on every team I ever played on, I was coming away with – I was a leading scorer. I was a shooter, except for the Pan American Games and JoJo White beat me out one point. And uh, But I did score 38 points in the Pan American Games, which is still a record today. Wow. Uh, so I've had, a, I've had a wonderful experience. Uh, and then that, that reason that the ABA, <laughs> they called me and – wanted me to come to Kentucky, but the the team, the man that was coaching us uh, in the Pan American Games wanted me to go to uh, Anaheim. He had connections out there. And, uh, you know, I played along with him because he was the coach, and, and he was playing me, and I was getting a lot of valuable playing time. And So I went with the Kentucky, went up to talk with the Kentucky Colonels, and I said, hey, I've got to have a no-cut contract. And uh, – and uh, I'm asking for so much money. And they said, uh, well, for the money that you're asking, said uh, the NBA players are leaving, come over here to tomorrow to play for us for what you're asking. I said, hey, we're the best in the world. I said, they only pick 11 players out of all the United States to play in the Pan American Games. And I said, uh, I was a starter on the team and, 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 leading scorer except for one point on Joe White. And I said, uh, so you looking, you know, you had to sell yourself back then. I said, you looking at, uh, and I took a big guy with me named Kendall Ryan. 
and he was playing at Phillips with me, and he was 6'10". I thought he might help the negotiation a little, but he didn't. They wanted me. And uh, so they uh, they signed us and no-cut contracts and everything we asked. And uh, then I get to the point that uh, I said, hey, I forgot something. I need a new Grand Prix car. <laughs> they put that in there. So, you know, I was it was great. Yeah, it sounds like it. That's yeah, that's that's um, that's impressive. That's very impressive. Well, let, let me let me ask you this. I was thinking about this this afternoon when I was knew we were gonna have this interview tonight. The ABA is full of stories of and a lot of characters, obviously. Um, when you guys traveled, I know there was, there was what eleven teams in the ABA, and you had to go all the way to Anaheim, which is on the West Coast, and you had the East Coast teams. What was the travel like? Did you guys fly? Commercial? We flew commercial. Uh, we flew commercial uh, all the time. And, and uh, we just go catch a flight. And uh, I would, uh, I had a sister that lived in Louisville, Kentucky. And I'd give her my itinerary and she'd take me to the airport and she'd pick me up when it's time for me to come in. And, uh, but now when I was with Phillips 66ers, we had her own plane, our own stewards. And her own uh, pilot and co-pilot, and and uh, so we we just travel when we wanted to, and and uh, take off when we wanted to, and and we just uh, we we had it we had it made with the, but you know all these uh, professional teams they catch these big commercial flights. Well, actually, these professional teams now, the NBA, they have their charter flights. They have their own each team, each franchise got their own. Their own plane, so yeah, they, I, didn't, uh, I didn't know. Oh yeah, didn't know how all, that worked. Yeah, yeah, they all hey, Rick, charter Rick. now. They're no more, no more commercial, no more sitting in first class. Everything's first class. Yeah, and Rick, did, didn't the uh, ABA have a time machine? Oh yeah, <laughs> you remember that one, right, Daryl? What do you mean time machine? <laughs> who who was, the who was that? There was a Marvin Bad News Barnes. Oh, that's who that was. <laughs> yeah. You you remember him, uh, Daryl Marvin Barnes? Oh yeah, 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 I knew him. Great player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Those Either boys one. were they were they were they were big time druggies. Yeah, <laughs> they 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 yeah yeah they they he wanted yeah, yeah Marvin wanted to fly fly from St Louis to uh, Memphis, and it was his, his itinerary said leave at twelve a.m. And arrive at twelve a.m. because of the hour time difference. Right, <clears throat> right. Or said, "No, man, I ain't getting no no you know what time machine. He can rent a limo and go." <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's you know, one I, of the all time classics. When I played basketball, uh, I decided I want to be an auctioneer uh, while I was playing basketball, and oh. I lived by myself. I live with myself and I said, Hey, I'm going to be an auctioneer and I'm going to work on my auction uh, chant. I'm going to work on my auction chant. Uh, you know, my free time after I eat lunch or breakfast or whatever, I'd work on it 41, 42 and stuff like that. And after a while I said, I'm not going to be able to do this. I said, uh, and I said, I'm going to have to quit this. And I quit for three or four days. And I said, 
I'm not a quitter or I wouldn't be playing professional basketball. So I'm going to master this auction. And after a couple of days, I was working on my rhythm and all, and it all kicked in and it goes like this. 85, now that's that is a classic. That's that the first of us, CJ. Hey, I always ask everybody about something unique that happened to them in the league, and I think that's number one right now. <laughs> well, hey, never let the truth stand away from a good story. There you go. <clears throat> they, you know, I was uh, I'm not a quitter. Yeah, I couldn't be playing professional ball, and that was my attitude after after it wasn't kicking in right. And after I got my mindset, and I said, hey, I'm not a quitter, and I'm going to master this thing. And I've auctioned cattle. I've auctioned cars. I've auctioned million-dollar properties. I've auctioned, not, you know, a little of everything. In fact, wow. I went to uh, I went to Indianapolis with a car dealer and uh, the man that owned the, owned the auction company, somebody said, Daryl carriers on the ground said he used to tear these pacers up, which I did. I'd, I'd go up there and we'd, I'd tear them a new one. <clears throat> then he said, I'd like to meet the band. So he came around and met me and he said, I remember you playing against the current uh, pacers. You used to tear them up. I said, yeah, I had good games against them. He said, what are you doing now? And I said, I'm an auctioneer. He said, how would you like to auction for me? And I said, man, I would uh, be happy to talk with you. And it's 200 miles from where I live. <clears throat> I'd be able to talk. I'd be glad to talk, talk with you. And he, we talked a little bit and he hired me right on the spot. Wow. And I went up, I had auction cars once a week in Indianapolis. And when I would leave, <laughs> I'd have a busting headache from breathing those fumes from those cars. So I didn't last, I didn't last, but a couple of months. And I told him it's that's not good for my health, breathing all that fumes coming out of those cars. And now, so were you I still playing then Daryl? Oh no, no, that's after my basketball. Okay. Okay. Now <laughs> you played for what? Seven years, six years. I played <clears throat> nine years after college, three years with the Phillips. And what an experience that was traveling to 23 foreign countries, playing in two national team tours, Pan American games and the world tournament. That was some kind of an experience. And then I played six years with the Kentucky Colonels. And uh, what happened is uh, I had back surgery and uh, that took me out of basketball. I had back surgery and, uh, I came back and played that year, and I, I didn't bend over very well, but I could still shoot it. They passed me the ball, and I knocked the bottom out of it, but I couldn't reach down and get the ball very easy. I came back after surgery. Then I had uh, – they brought Rick Mount in there to take my place. And, and Memphis called. It, it Rupp, Rupp remembered me, and so he was the head of Memphis. So they called me and said, I hear you had back surgery. He said, uh, are you able to play that? I said, well, I'll guarantee you my back, but I won't guarantee you any other parts of my body. And But I got to have a no-cut contract. That's the only kind of contract I ever played under. I had to have a no-cut. Never played under a, 
never, never played with a, just a normal contract. Mine had to be a no cut. So they gave me a no cut and I went to Memphis for a few days and tore my Achilles tendon in two. Oh, wow. Back surgery one year and Achilles tendon after about four or five games. It took me out of basketball or I quit after that. Wow. 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 Hey, I got to ask you, um, uh, did you play with Louis Dampier? Louis Dampier and I were the Splash Brothers back in our day because we made more three-pointers than anybody in the league. We made twice more free throws. I mean, three-pointers than anybody. Wow. Our coach expect us to get 50 points between us, and we were doing that. We were both averaging about 25 each, and I wound up averaging over 20 points a game. And uh, But Louis was a great shooter and we complimented each other because we could really spread the court anytime we came over half court of the gym we could let it go and uh and it had a chance going in i was playing uh, the guy that made the longest shot in basketball uh played for loyal of chicago uh jerry hartness i saw him out in vegas and he was with a couple of guys and i was walking towards him. He patted his legs and he said, I'm going to tell you a story on this guy coming here. So this is Daryl Carrier. And said, I was guarding him. I kept backing up and said, he stopped 40 foot out and let one go. And I said, what kind of coach would let him shoot like that? (laughs) Well, my, my game, my game was shooting the ball. I led the three point percentage out of all the players and Rick Mount led the uh, free throw percentage. And, and one year I beat him out. Uh, we're on a, a card, uh, Rick Barry, number – Rick Barry is the best free throw shooter on this card. And I was second. Billy Keller was third. So we were best – at that one or two years there, we were best free throw shooters in ABA. And uh, – but uh, we uh, we had some real times. And, uh, man, we, we enjoyed it. But I had Louis Dampier – we really complimented each other and uh wow we could uh if the ball came over on my side he'd take the middle and we'd have a fast break if he went over on his side i took the middle we didn't count guard uh, point guards and two guards and all of that back then we just we were just guards we just you know i'd bring you down he'd bring you down and we let it fly just like those boys from san francisco and, and the reason I say reason I say we made more for, uh, three pointers than anybody, or twice as much as anybody, is a lot of teams had one good shooter, but but not any of the teams had two good shooters. And uh, so that's the way it was. And uh, you know, it's it's the great shooters. I'm on a plaque here in my house. I got a little museum in my upstairs, and. and I showed a guy some of the stuff today, and I said, here's the 25 greatest shooting people of all times, and I'm in that list. But I said, you look at this list of 25 people, you might have seven or eight great, great shooters on there because he had Wade, he had Michael Jordan, he had, uh, I mean, he had all the great players. I said, now, there's a difference in great shooters and great players. And, and there, I said, 
two thirds of these players are just great, great players. They can score, they can go the hole, they can score, but there's only about six or seven great shooters. That is turn it loose from anywhere and it goes in when it's turned loose. And, uh, but this, uh, I mean, I, I look, I'd shoot, 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 shoot all the time. I had a twin brother who wouldn't put the time in. And the, his high school coach called him the best defensive player that he ever coached after coaching for 35 years. And he'd guard me quite a little bit trying to stop me. And that just made it easier on me when I faced other competition. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, so you had the opportunity to go up against like uh, Ron Perry and guys like that, right? Oh yeah, I want to get against all of them. I've been against the Kareem. I've been against Oscar Roberts and Earl the Pearl Monroe. Oh my goodness! Uh, I've been I've been against all of them, and uh, so. And so you, you what know, about let me just let me tell you let me tell you how this thing works. If you play professional basketball. Now, this, this sounds really cocky, and I don't mean for it to be, but I'm just – you know, anytime I stepped on the court to play anybody, I thought I was better than they were. You got to. If, if you don't, you already beat. Yep. <laughs> you got to think you better. And, and, you know, I'm making a point there that that is a true point. Anybody, any professional will tell you that. Anytime you step on the court and – uh you better think you better than you appoint your opponent, or he'll he'll eat you alive. Agree. Yep. You know, I used to put on shooting exhibitions. I was a shooter, and uh, Pistol Pete, that played in the NBA, he was a ball handler and a scorer. He was a great player, and he'd come to some of my camps to put on. Easy Ed McCulley would put these camps on all over the United States, and Pistol would put on the dribbling skills. And I'd put on the shooting drills. And I would tell the campers, I said, spread the court because I'm going to make 27 out of 30 uh, shots at the top of the circle. And I said, uh, I don't want you to count in loud. I want you to keep quiet. And I want somebody on the basket throwing and hitting me in the chest with it because it's total concentration. And uh, so what I would do, is I would never fail making 27 out of 30, but one time in four years. And then I'm a, I'm a non-drinker. And, and, uh, so what I, <laughs> what I did is we had a firm out of uh, California wrote me a letter and said, I'd like to take you and Louis Dampier and get you some commercials. I said, well, <laughs> I'd run it, but Mike Storn, our general manager, he said, well, they'll want the money that you make from going to four different states, putting on these shooting exhibitions for Easy Ed McCulley. said, I'll get you a commercial or two and won't charge you anything. So I went in one day after practice, and I had a big, long, wide porch where I lived. And there's a Fall City truck emptied a complete empty, a big truck a load of fall city beer on my truck on my porch for me to have an interview. They didn't call me and tell me it was a beer commercial or whatever. Well, <laughs> I called that general manager and I said, you tell them to come and get their beer 
I said, I'm not taking a beer commercial. I go to these basketball camps and I tell these kids to go to the, their church of their choice, to live a clean life, outwork everybody, and you become a great player. And I said, that's what I teach when I'm out. And I'm not going to take a beer commercial. This fall city beer is good because I never drank a beer in my life or smoke a cigarette in my life. So I was a clean cut cat. Wow. Yep. Sounds like it. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. <laughs> well, well let, let, let me ask you this, Daryl. I was thinking about this also today. Uh, I always try to bring it up. If you had saw a couple young players, what would be the, I guess you just told me, what would be the best advice you would give to these players to, to help them succeed in basketball? Well, first of all, I, I put on at my home, I have a gym at my home and, and, and I fixed it for my sons. It was a big hay barn and I put blacktop and it made a regular gym out of it. And, and it's, it, it's, so I got a gym here at my home. I call it the carrier dome. And both of my boys were offered scholarships at Louisville. And, and one the oldest and didn't want to go. He's a homebody like me and my twin brother. So my youngest boy went to Kentucky. And, and it, so they got a lot of mileage out of my gym. Yeah. And, and I have this, I'd put on the shooting exhibitions and people would want me, me and my son that played at Kentucky. They'd want us to uh, put on the, School for the kids to come in there and, and teach them all the fundamentals and what to do and how to and how to do it. And we'd spend two hours with these kids, and I could see in a really hurry if a kid wanted it or not. And I'd tell the parents, "I said, I'm not over here to babysit. I'm here to make your kid a great ball player if he really wants it." But a kid is first of all, a kid's got to have a burning desire to be a ball player. And then, first of all, he needs to go to a camp like mine to learn the right way to shoot the ball, the right way to handle the ball, and about six or seven ball handling skill drills, and uh, needs to go through the right kind of training as a youngster so he won't start any bad habits. I used to have my boys, uh, and I would keep them here in the gym, and all they wanted to do is shoot, 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 shoot. And we would, here was a drill we had. We had a drill that we would shoot every day. We made 10 straight threes before we quit shooting. Every day. Never failed. And uh, so I'd say, boys, let's get her three. Let's get her 10 in. So we'd throw the ball out to one person. He'd get his, he'd make 10 in a row. You know, he'd sometimes make nine, miss one, or make seven. and miss one but it didn't take us no time to hit that 10 and, and and all of us did that every day so you if you and all of all of my boys were great great shooters because we were we shot man we shot 500 to a thousand shots every day and and to uh you come to my basketball camp and we work with you individually and uh you you see some mileage out of you if you want to be a player now, if you, I tell them, I say, when you leave here, I'm going to see you at the end of the week or first of next week. And if you come in here and, and I can see that you haven't improved, I know you haven't worked on your game. Wow. And, and I can, 
and I could actually tell. Oh, yeah, you would be able to. Hey, guys, we got about 10 more minutes left here. Uh, I do want to ask you, though, um, being a member of the ABA all-time team, and uh, I believe you had the highest uh, career three-point shooting percentage in the league's history. That's right. Man, what does that feel like? Because, you know, like, as you know, and I know, and Rick knows, a lot of really great players came from the ABA. And for you to be able to, you know, have that prestigious honor. And, and it's so weird because a lot of young guys wouldn't even know who you are. And it's just, you know, I mean, it's, it, it can't blame it on them. It wasn't their time. But how does that feel being well for the guys that you know? They wrote a book, uh, Kentucky Colonels was a, uh, wrote a book about the Kentucky Colonels. And they interviewed Louis Dampier, and he was a great, great shooter. And he's in the top ten. And uh, they interviewed him, and he, th- he said, who's the best shooter you've ever seen in basketball? And Louis Dampier said, Daryl Carrier. Wow. And we went to Adolph Rupp up in Kentucky and put on an exhibition game. I, I mean, I put on a shooting drill like I do at Easy Ed McCulley's for Dan Essel and Louis Dampier and all of them. They had a basketball clinic. And Rupp watched me shoot, and he said – he thought Dampier could shoot till he watched me shoot. And he said, I've never seen anybody shoot better than Carrier. You know, I don't mean to be bragging, but now here's here's about the shot. I'm not saying if I had a shooting, <laughs> if I had a shootout with some of the great shooters on their given day, they may outshoot me. But on my given day, nobody's going to outshoot me on my given day. But now on their given day, if I'm not just exactly right on my day, then they would they would they'd outshoot me. But day in and day out, I put so much time in shooting. You know, I, I, the coaches would uh, would play me, and, and sometimes I'd go with the team, and and they would try to a new coach would come in, and they'd try to halter my shot a little bit, and and I wouldn't let them because after I shot a few, and they see them go in. They didn't. They never said anything about my shot. They said to turn it loose, and uh, but but now because that was my game. I wasn't the best ball handler there ever was. I wasn't the best. I, was, I thought I was a good defensive defensive player. I, you know, guarded a lot of the big boys and, and cut them down. I'd tip their elbows and do some things to them. Play pretty dirty with them, pretty hard. But uh, I, I mean. Uh, that that uh, shooting is an art, and everybody you, everybody can't learn to be a shooter. I mean, I think it's a God given thing, uh, the ones that can really shoot it. And we had some great shooters in the ABA. We really did. I agree with that. I mean, I grew up watching, and uh, I have to admit, every chance I got to watch the ABA, I always watched that instead of the NBA. <laughs> so I agree with that. I'd go to Easy Ed and McCulley. I played a lot of one-on-one so I could take a man and beat him when I wanted to beat him. And when I'd go to Easy Ed and McCulley's camps and put on those shooting drills, after I put on those shooting drills, I'd say, now bring your best defensive player out here and guard me because I'm going to show you how easy it is for me to score. And they'd get their best defensive man out there to guard me. And I'd watch his feet. And then if it, when I'd make when I'd step my foot down, if he didn't – if he stepped his leg back, I went up on him, and if and if he didn't, I went around him, and then I had I had some little moves where I knew exactly what to do, and 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 it's just 
I mean, it's uh, like milking a cow. I used to milk four cows of the morning, four at night when I was in high school. And, and, and uh, you know, I knew how to milk a cow, so I learned how to shoot a basketball. Yeah. Got a lot, of, lot in common, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, <clears throat> man, that but, is so awesome. <laughs> uh, hey, who, look, who's the biggest start... ABA character that you uh, that you knew, uh, Daryl? Do what now? The ABA. Some of the characters that went through there do bizarre things. Who's a, who was one of the ones that you can remember? Even with the Kentucky Colonels. Well, you had. Uh... We had Warren Jabali to come over to our place to play. And, and uh, y'all remember Warren Jabali? Oh, yeah, I, I do. He's, he's dead now. And uh, Warren Jabali came over to our place, and he had a he had a beard. And our coach told us that y'all can't grow beards or mustaches. So when he brought uh, Jabali in, <laughs> when he brought Jabali in, he said, Jabali can keep his. Uh, he can keep his mustache and, and whiskers, but none of the rest of you can grow one because you don't have one to start with, and we're not going to allow it. And, uh, well, he got Jabali on the team, and he gave. we had exhibitions games, and he put he put Jabali out there with Louie. Well, <laughs> Jabali, Jabali and Louie, didn't, they fit together like oil and water. And... Uh, Jabali was a great player and could rebound and could score and could do it all, but he'd walk it down the floor or he'd throw a long pass. Well, the coach, the coach said, Daryl, go get Jabali. I go get Jabali. He's going to alternate us. I'd get Jabali and Jabali'd come back to the bench and Jabali'd sit over there for a while and Gene Rhodes, her coach, would say, Jabali, Take Louie. <laughs> Jabali, Jabali would look at him like he could kill him. <laughs> Wouldn't go in the game. Wouldn't it, just look at him like he could kill him. <laughs> and, 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 and so after a while, after about two exhibition games, our coach said, told the general manager, said, hey, I can't coach this cat. Said, you're going to have to get, move him somewhere else. Said, I can't coach him. Wow. And one time I was playing in practice and had a guy named Stuart Johnson and he was out there guarding me and that was impossible for him to do. He's about six, eight, six, seven, and he couldn't stay up with him. And I was making him look bad and he elbowed me. And I said, Hey, watch those elbows because I may make you eat that elbow. Well, <laughs> coach called time out and give us, giving us some instructions. And he came around with a haymaker and caught me in the eye and put 10 stitches down my side of my eye. Wow. And, uh, so I said to myself, I said, I'll get me a pair of steel nooks and I'll catch him tiny shoe one of these days. And I put his lights out. Well, sounds like I'm a character, doesn't it? Well, any, <laughs> anyway, he, they traded him that night. I never did see him again. They traded him. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Hey, that's got to be a good one. Hey guys, we're gonna have to wrap this one up. We're just about out of time, but uh, wow, uh, great, great uh, chat, great hearing the stories of uh, the greats you play with and everything you've done in your career. Most guys never get the chance. 
And so, Daryl, we, we definitely want to thank you for being on and uh, Rick and I both and uh, look forward uh, to chatting with you again. Uh, very, very great uh, uh, life of basketball, my friend. So uh, we want to thank you for being on and we want to tell everybody uh, tune in next week. I, not sure who we're going to bring in, but we it will be fun. Uh, so thank you, my man, for being on the show, and uh, have a great weekend. As they say at Chick-fil-A, it's my pleasure, and thank you all. <laughs> all right, Rick. Thank, take care, Appreciate buddy. it, Daryl. Yes, sir. Thank you all. all right, appreciate guys. it, man. All right, everybody okay. be safe. Take care. Okay, right. good night. All right. Good night. That's a good